Welcome to the Church Times podcast. Try 10 issues for £10 or two months access to our website and apps also for £10. Go to churchtimes.co.uk forward slash new hyphen reader. Hello, I'm joined this week by the Reverend Andy March, Vicar of St Christopher's Coventry, to talk about his debut book, Loving the Enemy, Building Bridges in a Time of War. An extract from the book is published in this week's Church Times. The book tells the remarkable true story of Andy's grandparents, Fred and Rika Clayton, who first met in Dresden at the start of the Nazi era. In a foreword to the book, the Bishop of Coventry, Dr Christopher Coxworth, writes, It is my hope that thanks to Andy's efforts, the story will inspire you as much as it has inspired me, and it will find its place as a signpost, even a landmark, along the path of reconciliation, trust and love, which links Coventry and Dresden, Britain and Germany. The book is published by Howell Publishing and is available from the Church Times Bookshop for £8.99. Signed copies can also be purchased from howwillpublishing.co.uk. Andy, welcome to the Church Times podcast. Thank you very much. Um, first of all, I just asked for some of the background as to how you came to write this book. It's, it's a really interesting story. Yeah, so... Um... I, I, guess it, I guess it began with my uh, coming to uh, Coventry as a vicar in, in 2012. Um, when I, I came there, um, I became aware that there were, they, there were links um, between the city of Coventry and the city of Dresden, um, which I hadn't been aware of before. Um, but the reason why that was significant for me was that uh, Dresden was my grandmother's uh, hometown. And, uh, and it just my, my ears pricked up at, at discovering this connection between uh, Coventry at, which became the city that I would be uh, ministering for, well, it's now been 10 years, um, and, uh, and, and a place that w- was significant for, for, for my family and had been for generations. And then um, back in uh, 2014, I, I, I learned of a, a trip that uh, a group from Coventry would be making uh, to Dresden um, as, uh, to, to take part in the commemorations of the the bombing of the city it was it was the 70th anniversary uh, of the bombing of dresden in 2015 and I, I, a group of clergy were going to becoming the bishop uh, the dean of the cathedral um the, the the mayor of coventry were all going to be joining in with the um the the commemora- commemorations and i had a strong sense that i needed to be part of that somehow and and so i um, I, I, I approached the bishop and I said, is, is there a chance that I could come? And he, and he said, that'd be a great idea. And he, he was very kind of open to that. And um, about a week before my uh, trip there, I, I wrote a blog um, about the fact that I'd be going. And um, it was shared on the Coventry Diocesan website. I explained about the fact my, my grandmother had come from Dresden, that she'd walked through the city just uh, weeks after the, the, the bombing of the city. And uh, I'd kind of explained that uh, there was this sort of story of reconciliation within my family because my grandfather was English and my grandmother was German. So I kind of put, put a bit about my, my own personal family story. And I didn't really think much of it because you know, not that many people read my blog, but it, more people obviously read it on the Darcy and Coventry website. And then I was approached by uh, one of your colleagues at the Church Times saying, oh, can we include this in our, our newspaper? And so suddenly it was on the church, in the, featured in the Church Times, and, and it kind of went from there. So the next thing I heard, I, w- I was interviewed 
on national German any, an English speaking German television television program. Uh, I was slightly bewildered by this because because people are so interested in this fa- in this family story of uh, you know the the, the, the e- English grandfather and, and German grandmother and the circumstances that they'd sort of met and, and married. And while I was there, I was interviewed again uh, live on on German television, and I found myself on Radio Five Live being being <laughs> uh, interviewed. It was a very straight one of these bewildering times, and and I left, and it was a wonderful experience in Dresden. Um, and I left having this profound sense that God had given me this story to tell, and 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 an itch that had 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 um, needed to be scratched. You know, that's something that some, something felt like something had started there that I wasn't really anticipating. A few months later, I was um, in, in conversation with someone who was talking about sabbaticals, um, and I thought, well, and I just kind of I thought, well, if, if I was going to do a sabbatical, what I'd do is I'd write about my grandparents story and I wasn't really sure that that would be a sort of valid use of time because it's not a particularly very churchy thing to do um but I I was chatting to the person who organized the sabbaticals and I said this is what I'd probably do if I would have a sabbatical and she said that'd be a brilliant idea and so I then found myself the following year I, I, I took my sabbatical and in that time I spent the three months of it researching and then writing the first draft of, of what's now become Loving the Enemy. Can we talk a bit about that story? I mean, can you tell us something about your grandparents and, and their lives and also your, your memories of them? Yeah, so um, I think the, the, the moment when I realised just how extraordinary my grandfather was, was um, sadly really at his funeral. Um, so he died in 1999 um, and um, he'd, he'd been quite a remote Bigger as I was growing up, um, and I didn't really understand why, but I now understand much more now why he was he was quite remote. Um, and uh, but then at his uh, funeral, um, his brother gave this extraordinary eulogy about a man who had uh, he'd been to uh, Cambridge University, um, had excelled academically, won many prizes, and gone to gone to. Dresden because he wanted to find out what life was like to live under the Nazis and we thought well there's one only one really really one way to find out was by going there he'd been to Vienna previously and got to know a a family of uh, where there were two Jewish boys and uh just before the 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 breakout uh, outbreak of the the second world war he 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 was involved in getting them on the kinder transports and and basically saved their lives had an extraordinary um, co- uh, career of co-breaking in India, but sadly had this, this terrible break, nervous breakdown, which, which hindered him for the rest of his life, really. You know, his mental health was, was a real challenge. And, I, and, and so I just had these revelations about his life that I didn't, hadn't, didn't have a clue about really before, or I, had, or I had sketchy details that really kind of came to life in that eulogy. Um, uh, of, of this extraordinary life that he'd led. Meanwhile, my grandmother, who I'd always, obviously, I always knew she was German because she, she, she never lost her accent. But actually, I think my appreciation of her, and I was closer to her, and, and so it's a very different relationship. Um, but I don't think I'd really realised how extraordinary she was because, I mean, she grew up in, in Dresden in fairly privileged a lifestyle 
Um, they were quite a wealthy family, uh, but but um, they, they they had a terrible time as a family during during, during the war. Um, and yet she re she remained so remarkably resilient and um, still so hope filled and positive. And she carried that through. And um, reading the letters that the two of them wrote, because. Um, while my grandfather was in Dresden teaching um, for that year before the, the war, um, it was my grandmother's family that welcomed him. She was just a young girl at the time. She was age 10, because there was a 30-year age gap between them. Uh, but she, he got to know and became a teacher for her older brothers. Um, and that friendship never really went away. I mean, it, it, was, it was paused by the war, but as soon as the war finished, my grandfather wrote back to the family to find out how they'd been. And my grandmother replied on behalf of the family. By that time, she was 20. And they begin this correspondence, um, and this beautiful correspondence, which I only discovered because uh, the letters were translated. And I just then, as the letters were translated, uh, I, the, the emergence of this beautiful romance um, appears. And... Uh, it was really quite exciting to see that develop, and you see a lot of the letters are in, are in the book that I've now written. Yeah, and we we, we published one of the letters in, in the extract we we run this week. I think is your your grandfather's first letter after the war had ended, just to find out how your grandmother's yeah. family is. Um, I mean, I found it interesting that obviously after you've you've had a war between you know war with Germany and England and Britain and, and others, but there's there's still this friendship that survives and he's still deep does it show the personal how important those personal connections are in yeah. reconciliation definitely i mean the interesting thing was um that my grandfather um he did publish one book in his lifetime um it was a semi-autobiographical novel called the cloven pine um and it was published under a pseudonym of frank clare um and he published it um in 19 it was he wrote it when the war broke out um, and his main concern with, with that book was to um, portray, it was based in Germany, and uh, the hero of, um, of the book was a, was a, a German boy. And um, his, his, his desire was to portray German people as much victims of Nazism as, as, the, as, as, as the, the people in the other countries who have been um, overrun or, 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 or uh, the British people who are fighting them. He's saying, actually, these people deserve our love and pity as much as, as we do um, because they, they're victims. They're trapped in this system. They could, there's no escape for them. In fact, many Germ young German men were sacrificed. Um, their lives were... Um, you know, on, de destroyed on the battlefield, whether that was um, in in the wastelands of, of Russia or on, or, or, or on the con or, or on the west in Western Europe, all because of what of the, the Nazi system and, the, and their desire to grab power. So even in the midst of war, my grandfather had this clear sighted sense of saying we need to we need to be able to distinguish between the the, the Nazis and 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 Germans and, and not allow ourselves to be caught up in hatred. I mean, I'm not sure he was aware of the of what was coming out of Coventry at that time, but I think I suspect that the likes of Provost Howard, who 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 had that desire, saying, "No, Father, forgive." Um, actually, they 
they were very much say, portraying the same message um, at the time. So we need to not lose sight of, of, of the, the need to keep loving, even when it's so tempting to, to give in to hatred. I can ask more about the, the correspondence that developed between your grandparents. Um, I mean, it resulted in your grandmother coming to live in England. Is that, is that right? Yes, that's right. Yeah. So my grandfather, he, he, he just loved to, to but he, he, was, he yearned to build, bridge, build bridges. So he wrote to lots of different people. But he, I think he was really struck by the warmth that, and, and the resilience and the, the hopefulness that came across in my, in my grandmother's letters. I mean, he was definitely, at first, he, was, uh, he wrote to her because she was, he'd been a close friend of Wolf, her brother. Um, and so because there was that familial connection, he, he wrote to her and kept that up at first. Um, you know, at first it was like, well, I'm writing, writing to her because she's Wolf's sister. Uh, but then as the letters kept in, in increasing in their, in their frequency and, and as they got to know each other and became more open with each other, and there's a real openness, there's a real vulnerability in the letters, um, he began to think, well, could she be more than Wolf's sister? Could she be so much more than that? And it kind of, over time, it, it, it became clear that he, he found in her not, you know, at first I think he thought of her as a victim. You know, she's, she's a victim of the, uh, of, of the war. You know, this poor uh, young woman who finds herself in now Russian occupied East, East Germany with not a lot of hope. Maybe I can um, rescue her. And then over time we realized that actually she, there was something that she had that he needed. And he, he found her filling a hole that he had, you know, for, he, he was left broken by the war. And he discovered that in her was someone who could bring him healing. And indeed that's what proved to be the case in, in their 51 years of, of, of marriage. Huh. And what, what was it like for her when she came to England? What sort of, did she settle well or? or well, I, thought, I mean, I think it, obviously she had to get to know the language and that was challenging. I think people on the whole were pretty good to her, but there were moments of hostility that she, um, she experienced. Um, there was one particularly nasty incident when she was um, a warden of a student residence in, in the 60s. And uh, at that time, they were had very uh, strict rules on single sex. Resident, residences were, 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 were single sex um, students. Um, and there was a curfew and, and boys couldn't stay in with the girls beyond a certain time. She was very much the stickler for the rules. She tried to enforce that. It was then covered in the local press and then it was covered by a national newspaper and she was called a Nazi. And it kind of, there, so there were the, the occasional kind of hostility that she experienced um, like that. Um, I don't think it, by, but it was by any means easy for her, but she was, a, she, she was the type of person who was, just had the courage to face these challenges head on and and not shirk away from them and i mean i when i was reading through the notes that helped me form the book that my grandfather wrote of his sort of memories of his earlier life when he was writing in in the sort of late 70s he said he said that that rika was the most courageous woman that he knew 
um, because she just faced these challenges head on. And, and has that inspired your family? I mean, your their descendants, I suppose. Your is it? Were they your mother or father's parents? So my mum's. It was my mum's parents. Your yeah. mum's parents. And have you seen that? I mean, have, have you have your family drawn on that? Been inspired by that that courage and that the story. Well, I, th- I think what's what's really interesting is that given uh, the the background of my uh, German grandmother, English uh, grandfather, um, my aunt. One of my aunts is uh, my aunt mar- married in, uh, a Frenchman, and she lives in in, in on the on the on the Swiss border. Uh, my one of my uncles married an Italian. And my uh, one of the other uncle married an Irish woman. So there's, there's there was this sort of my grandfather referred to referred to his children as a, as a United Nations as they kind of uh, and, I, and that's a really lovely sim- symbol. You know, the symbolism of that, those, those, those relationships, I think is, uh, is quite something really, where there's a clear sense in which nationalism doesn't need to define us at all. Um, and, I, and I think I see that in, I, I'd like to think that you know, we, we carry that same, that same courage in the way that we, we, we try and forge relationships and seek reconciliation. My, you know, my brother and I being, both being clergy, I think we, there, there is that sense in which we want to make love the, the, the main thing that we, we, we pursue. And, and obviously we, we see that, that love in Christ, in, you know, in, the, in the one who, who lived and died, died for us. Um, my, my grandfather wasn't uh, a Christian. He struggled in faith. Um, but I think, um, and, 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 and looking at his life and the things that he went through, I'm not really surprised. Um, but I think there is that sense of, of, of which we, we do carry that on in, in the way that we hopefully live our lives, hopefully to, to make clear that there is no, no place for hatred. Are there sort of lessons you'd like or inspiration that you hope the book will provide to people who are, who are carrying out reconciliation work today? And obviously Coventry is a significant place in which that happens, but more, more widely as well. I, I, I think that there, there is an encouragement that, that love can overcome, but that also to expect bumps, there, there to be bumps along the road as well. Um, that's, and that's part and parcel of, part and parcel of, uh, of that journey, if you like, that, that journey of bridge building. Um, but I think also that we need to be prepared to take risks, the, 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 the risk to make that step out, out of where we're comfortable, in, into a place that's unfamiliar. I think there'll be people who are, are facing that, 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 very, that very challenge and are fearful, and, and, and there's an encouragement there to say, look, just take that risk. You, you may regret it, regret it if you don't. And you know, my, my, the safest thing for my grandmother to do would have been to have stayed and just got by in East Germany. But she, she took that... She, she took that step of faith, if you like, and um, not really knowing the, the person that she was going to committing, be committing her life to. And, 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 and there was, uh, you know, there was a, a legacy of, um, that's, that's, that sprung from that. But also my grandfather, his, his pursuit of, um, you know, he, he, he dared to go to a hostile environment to find out more, to build bridges back in, you know, in Nazi Germany. He knew that would be a, a tough place 
and he was uh, he was warned not to go there by some people. So it, but he, he he knew he felt he had to be there and, and try and make that difference. And and again, when he when he went to Vienna and, and discovered the, these bridges that he built there, actually that bore fruit in, in saving the lives of those two young young boys. And so you kind of think, yeah. So for me, I think there is that sense in in which of, of take you know that, that take courage uh, and be prepared to step out of, of what's comfortable. Be prepared to take risks. Because you never know the difference that it can make. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Church Times podcast. You can find more news, analysis, comment and book reviews on our website, churchtimes.co.uk. If you are not yet a subscriber to the Church Times, you can try your first 10 issues for just £10. You'll get the paper delivered to your door every Friday, plus full access to our website and digital archive. Go to churchtimes.co.uk forward slash subscribe to find out more.